Welcome to another episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020, a podcast for people who believe that being a woman is neither a disease nor a moral failing, and who feel overwhelmed and exhausted by everything they have to do, yet still worry they're not doing enough. This is Emily Nagoski. And Amelia Nagoski. 2020 is going to be a shit show. We are here to make sure you survive it. One of the main things people have asked us for over the years that we've been teaching about burnout is self-care tips. Self-care tips for young professionals. Self-care tips for working parents. Self-care tips for graduate students. Self-care tips for activists. Self-care tips. Self-care tips. Tell me, tell me self-care tips. <laughs> tips for how to take care of your self. Of course, if you've listened to any other episodes of the Feminist Survival Project, you know that self-care is not, not the, answer. the answer. The answer is just care. care. It's all of us caring for each, each other. other. We don't need more grit. We need more help. We don't need more persistence. We need more kindness. We don't need more tips. We already know what to do. Mm -hmm. What we need is permission to do those things. Permission from our people to take a break from the causes of our stress and just go deal with the stress itself. In short, we need a place to lie down and people who tell us it's okay to rest. And maybe after hearing a few episodes, you're getting a sense of the ways that all of us caring for each other is not just about how we're going to survive the shit show. It's how we transform the world. We reject human giver syndrome with its cultural pressure to be and do everything the world expects of us and instead turn toward who we truly are who our loved ones truly are, with kindness and compassion. And when we do that, the main gift we'll discover we all need from each other is permission to stop, to take a break, to rest. You want a self-care tip? The main thing we want you to do after listening to today's podcast is to follow The Nap Ministry. You'll find them on social media at The Nap Ministry. We've mentioned Trisha Hersey, the Knapp Bishop, before, and her work is the ideal embodiment of what we'll be discussing in this episode and the next one. The timing here is great because she took the month of November off social media because rest is the revolution and she lives it as well as teaches it. And now she's back, refreshed. It's a great time to follow. I, this is Emily, I'm also a patron on Patreon, and I highly recommend that if you have five or ten or more bucks a month to support a creator who's changing the world in what we think might be the most revolutionary way, I invite you to join me in supporting this work. In fact, if it has crossed your mind, how can I support the Feminist Survival Project? The way you can do that is to give money to the NAP ministry. I got to meet Trisha and see her speak at an event in Chicago in 2016. She was, <laughs> I mean, she was almost literally preaching to the choir with me. I had already written the chapter on rest in burnout. I heard her and I was moved and inspired and jumped to my feet in applause at the end by the way she talked about rest as reparations. What the Nap Bishop does is create collective public napping installations with Black people resting. It's commentary on an action against white supremacist, exploitative, capitalist grind culture. She says, we don't want a seat at the table. Fuck the table. The table is full of oppressors. We want a blanket and a pillow down by the ocean. We want to rest. She says, there is deep power in taking a break. 
honoring your body and actively participating in your deprogramming from grind culture. We have been brainwashed to be violent towards our own bodies by pushing it to exhaustion. Resting is not evil. Capitalism is. She says it's not your fault. All of culture is supporting sleep deprivation and grinding as a badge of honor. Reaching your goals does not have to include killing yourself via exhaustion. She says there are real spiritual and physical health consequences to participating in grind culture. It's all been a lie. It's not true. Our dreams and desires will blossom in a connected way when we rest. She says there is a new way. We will resist. We will rest. Spread the good news. So that's what we're doing. Okay, so I first want to talk about the default mode network. We wrote about this in the book that back in January of 2017, I saw Rachel Maddow speak at Smith College. Uh, and then you could submit a question in advance. And the question I submitted was, uh, how do you deal with burnout? And I recorded her answer. It sounds really terrible, but maybe we'll play it here. For me, I feel like I need to come home, find your valley. I live in the country. I work in New York. I'll go to New York after I leave and I come here and I spend time outdoors and I have uh, the world's most perfect family and great dogs and I go fishing and I chop wood and I use a different part of my brain and um, it's the only cure that I really know of is when you are when you are burned out it's because you burnt a specific gear in your brain but the Lord gave us a lot of different gears and if you use the other ones you regenerate. What she said was, I leave work and I come home and I spend time outdoors and I have the world's most perfect family and great dogs and I go fishing and I chop wood and I use different parts of my brain. And that's the only cure that I really know of when you are burnt out. It's because you burned a specific gear in your brain, but the Lord gave us a lot of different gears. When you use the other ones, you regenerate. She's talking about default mode network. We don't know if she's familiar with the science or if she's just intuited her way to the evidence-based answer, but that's what she's describing. What the research has found is, we do our best at any given task for a limited amount of time, energy, or attention, and then our attention wanders, our performance drops, and our motivation is depleted. And resting after a depleting activity eliminates the effect of that fatigue. Our brains are built to oscillate this way between work and rest, just like all the other cycles and oscillations we talk about. When we grant our brains the freedom to move through the cycle, to oscillate from focused attention to daydreaming, the quality of our work improves along with our health. I want to correct a misunderstanding we often encounter when we talk about this phenomenon. Yes, journalists got this wrong. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not boredom. All the headlines say, like, the value of boredom. It's no. not about boredom. It's daydreaming. Boredom is like your brain's task-focused attention system searching desperately for something to attend to and the uncomfortable feeling that there's nothing for it to grasp onto and work out, like a dog with a bone. Default like when your mode. kid yep. says, Mom, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. They're looking for something to do. If they were daydreaming, they wouldn't be bored. Yeah. Default mode is mind wandering, daydreaming, fantasizing, creating stories in your head, being entertained by your own thoughts. 
Default mode's job is to assess the present and plan for the future. Better we are at toggling from daydreaming to attention and back again. The healthier the default mode network is, the happier, more creative, and more socially skilled we are likely to be. Unfortunately, we live in a world that celebrates unbroken focus as if shifting from attention to daydreaming is failure. When actually it's a sign that your brain is operating healthfully. As adolescents, we attended a theater camp. Because of course. Because of course yeah, we did. Course. And this is Emily. One afternoon I was sitting in a circle with my group working on the script we'd been assigned to prepare. We were working really hard, but we got stuck on, I don't even remember what the problem was. But I, sitting in that circle, followed my body's instincts and got up and started wandering around the theater. And uh, this popular girl, Jill, who in retrospect was human giver syndrome personified, scolded me. She goes, where are you going? And I said, I'm, ju I'm just taking a break for a minute. And popular girl, who in retrospect was maybe also a descendant of Immanuel Kant, she scoffed and said, what would happen if we all just took a break when we felt like it? <laughs> uh, hmm. I, at 12 years old, literally said, what research now confirms? Uh, I think we'd all work better. Because mental rest is not idleness. It is necessary time for your brain to process the world. The time it should take to complete an attention-demanding task, like clearing your email inbox, is the time it takes for you to engage in the attentive task, plus the time your brain needs in default mode to process whatever creativity, original thinking, problem-solving, or flexible planning, all of which are tasks performed by the default mode network. In the Monitor episode, we talked about creating goals that are concrete, specific, among other things, because people are much less likely to procrastinate at a concrete task than at an abstract task. So the, one of the pieces of research that we cite about this is a study where a group of college students were sent one email or another. In one email, they were asked to reply to the email and describe how to open a bank account. And the other group of students received an email to which they were asked to reply with a description of what banks are for. And the question was, what proportion of students replied and how long did they procrastinate before they replied? Because there was a deadline with it. And they were each paid a certain amount of money based on how soon they replied. Students, well, which? what do you think? Which group was more likely to reply to the email sooner? I would not have even opened either one. <laughs> So the, well, they know they're participating <laughs> yeah, in the experiment. You're getting paid literally uh, for this one email. So you have to. I definitely would have replied to the the more concrete one, right? Like, if you ask me a direct question, I can just answer. Here's how you do that thing. Here are the Boom, steps. Done. X, Y, Z. Here's where you do it. Absolutely. Versus the abstract task no. of what banks are for. I, it would take me at least a week to respond to that email. So one of the ideas here is that the procrastination isn't just due to delaying the uncertainty of the answer. Maybe it's that your default mode network is trying to assemble the abstract general ideas into a new configuration. Default mode network is not needed for just describing the concrete specific tasks that you have to accomplish in order to like do a specific thing. Do you have a personal example of default mode network oscillation? Oh yeah, um, it's pretty regular for choir rehearsals to be once a week and two, two and a half, three hours. And I have um, a natural proclivity towards persistence. I'm comfortable going for three hours. It's not a problem for me. Yeah, me too. But most 
Most people are not like that. Most singers, especially in community choirs, church choirs, you have a three hour rehearsal, you need to have a break in the middle. And I can feel when we're getting to like the hour 15, hour 20 minute mark, their attention is wandering. They're, we're trying the same thing over and over again and they just can't anymore. And it's like, well, clearly we could just work harder and try again and push harder. And that never helps. Never not once has that ever helped. <laughs> you know what helps every time? going in the back and having a glass of apple juice and a cookie and having a conversation and catching up with you know, a member of the alto section who you haven't talked to since last week's rehearsal. And we come back from that break and everybody sings better. See? Walking away from a task or a problem doesn't mean you are quitting or giving up. Yeah. You are allowed to take breaks. You need Please to take, take breaks. breaks. No, it makes you better. It's how you recruit all of your brain's capacity to perform any particular task, including the capabilities that require you not to invest effortful attention, but just to like socialize and relax and let your mind wander. Yeah. When you're lifting weights, so you're doing bench presses, you do, I mean, in some strategies, you do like a set of 10. And by the time you get to number 10, you're dying. You're like, oh my God, I can't do 10, 10. And you just barely get through 10 and your arms collapse by your sides and you can't even anymore. And then you wait a couple of minutes and you go back and do another one and it's fine. And maybe you can only get to eight this time. But you couldn't have even done one more before that break. Default mode network. Take a break. You have you have permission. We are granting it to you right now. Your brain needs it. No matter what the white supremacist, this heteropatriarchal post-industrial capitalism tells you. Because human giver syndrome and grind culture and all of that doesn't want you to have permission to take a break, it's going to call you lazy and selfish. And therefore, taking that break is an act of resistance. Rest is the revolution. Not only do you need to take a break, you need people around you who celebrate your rest, who tell you to take a break when you are pushing too hard or too long, and people for whom you return that favor. Other givers. Other fellow givers of the revolution. Which brings us to the ultimate break. Sleep. We talked about sleep back in the Complete the Cycle episode, and our whole next episode is going to be about sleep. Just sleep. That's how important sleep mm -hmm. is. In the Stress Response Cycle episode, we talked about the three essential factors, your sleep quantity, your chronotype, and what I call sleep density. Sleep quantity is just the number of hours your body requires. For most of us, between seven and nine hours, typically something a little over eight. Chronotype is the time of day your body wants to be awake and when it wants to be asleep. Are you a lark? Are you an owl? Are you somewhere in between? Most of us are somewhere in between. And the third sleep density is how condensed does your body want your sleep to be? Monophasic where you sleep all your hours in a row, biphasic where you sleep some and then wake up for a little while and then fall back asleep or polyphasic where you're like really a napper. In the next episode, we will talk about the benefits of sleep and the costs of inadequate sleep. And we'll talk about strategies for getting great sleep. But in this episode, we are here to talk about how rest is the revolution. So we're going to talk about the barriers to sleep, the social barriers, because it's not like you don't already know that sleep is good right. for you. Yeah. We all know that. So why aren't we getting enough? Let's talk about how sleep is not evenly distributed across the population. Take a wild guess who in American society gets less and worse sleep. Did you say women? Did you say people of color? Did you say poor people? Ding, ding, ding. That's all correct. 
and these different domains of oppression intersect in complex ways. Like if you had to guess who gets more and better sleep, factory workers or managers, who would you guess? Managers, right? Obviously. If those managers are white, but managers of color sleep worse. In the research, they call the phenomenon of overwork by people of color, John Henryism. After the tall tale of a freed slave turned railroad worker, John Henry in the song Race is a Machine, a Steam Drill, to show that a man can dig his way through a mountain faster than a machine can. He sings, before I let a steam drill beat me down, gonna die with the hammer in my hand, Lord, Lord, gonna die, gonna die with a hammer in my hand. Does he win? Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. And then he dies. <sighs> In a recent video adaptation that I found while I was doing the research for this, John Henry says, how hard we work when no one's looking. That's who we really are inside. Oh, Jesus Christ. I know, boy. <laughs> so in this, in this recent adaptation, how hard we work is who we really are. That is just not even how hard oh we work God. when no one's looking. Fuck you. Okay. So in this adaptation, he, do he doesn't die. Mm. Which I think, you know. worse. Yeah. Yeah, because it pretends there's no consequences. We can just work and work and work when we're hungry and That's tired fine. and never stop and it'll be fine. No consequences. As if our bodies don't have limits. Right. As if we can ignore the screaming hunger of our bodies and minds for Without rest. any pain or illness or death. Add to John Henryism narratives like The Giving Tree. Oh, fuck The Giving Tree. Have you read The Giving Tree lately? Oh. It's the story of a boy who takes from a tree that gives. Mm -hmm. A tree that goes by the pronoun she. Mm -hmm. He takes the leaves and the fruit and the branches and eventually the entire trunk until all that's left is a stump. And then he sits on the stump. Motherfucking giving tree, dude. dude. Why do we read this to our Why? children? What are, are they supposed, supposed to learn? That's terrible. Did I ever tell you about when the youth Christian education person at my church did a service and she used the giving tree as a model for like giving and charity and no 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 she stopped like halfway through the story because she's like the end of that story is just terrible like they totally missed the point about what it is to give and to be like and I just couldn't so like she used it as a model to start from because it was recommended by blah 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 and then she was just like hmm no and she just stopped it halfway through she didn't know she didn't stop the service they built a whole service around the first half while the giving tree was still like capable of living more yeah so that doesn't help, though. It, uh, we need a different model, not yeah. just giving, but like the impact that it has on us to give. Yeah. I have we, this we are not the only ones who are recognizing yes. like, oh, this is not a good way to talk about this. I forget when I wrote this, but I have this post note on my desk that says a problem with self-care is it separates caregiving for others from the behaviors that give you energy as mm -hmm. if connecting, giving is all wear and no repair. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. Not giving true. can be energy yes. giving. Yes. But the narratives that were given, like the giving tree, is that you give and give and give and give until you have nothing left. And the whole point of giving is that you are slowly killing yourself. When we yeah. dug into the sleep research, uh, we found this pretty distressing term, the third shift. Mm -hmm. You might already be familiar with the language of the second shift, right? The first shift is your job that pays the bills. The second shift is the labor that holds the family together, yeah. the childcare, the housekeeping, the cooking, the laundry. Mm -hmm. And then there's the third shift, the nighttime hours when everyone is asleep 
But we are not all equally asleep. Women are expected simply to be the ones who sacrifice their sleep to support anyone else who might struggle in the night. The sick child in a straight partnership, the sick man. We wake more readily to the noise in the kitchen. We get up to let the dog out. And the cost we pay? Disrupted sleep and short sleep are linked to every major cause of death in the Western world. It is literally shortening our lives. The deaths of John Henry and the Giving Tree are the most honest representations of the cost we pay to work within the rules of the system. In mainstream modern media, like every Hollywood movie in the 80s, we tell a heroic story of an underdog playing the game and winning, becoming an ad exec or whatever. It's Melody Griffith in Working Girl, pretending she doesn't have a Long Island accent, putting her hair in a French twist, and doing her makeup in neutral colors to get a corner office and have a secretary instead of being a secretary. It's Jennifer Lopez in Made in Manhattan, who has literally bought into the idea that the executive training program is the road to freedom and becoming a well-paid corporate manager. And that's the definition of success. Hollywood loves this story, knows how to tell it, because it is itself a corporate system, a steep hill to climb that only those best adapted to it successfully summit. Half killing, or all killing, yourself, to adapt to and succeed in a grotesquely unfair system is only part of the story. The other part is how anyone who gains access to the power in the system chooses to change that system. That's the task we face now, to rewrite the rules of the game we worked hard to win so that those behind us don't have to play such a rigged game. We can honor the labor of our ancestors, their grit, their sacrifice, and we can also recognize that they were forced to play a game they should never have had to play in the first place. The game was rigged, and they played anyway even though they knew it, because that's what there was for them to do. It damaged their bodies. They accepted that damage as collateral in the work toward a better life for the next generation. We accept lost pawns in any chess game. And a lot of us have been raised to believe that our bodies are pawns. And I'm not sure what's king Capitalism. in the chess game of life, Capitalism. but it is not health or joy. Mm -hmm. It is the 21st century mm -hmm. now. The brain science has caught up with our innate mammalian instincts. We know that whatever this better life thing is, it must be one where everyone has access to adequate rest. Rest won't just help us survive 2020. Rest itself is the revolution. Those of us who access the systems of power, we got in by giving up all we gave up. And it is so tempting to mm. believe that those who follow us ought to have to climb the same steep hill. And that results in a kind of a hazing system of letting people into positions of power. It's hard to admit that a game is rigged if you want it. Yeah. And it only seems fair that everyone after you has to play that same game. It's really tempting, but we need to make that change. Don't fucking haze people anymore. This is rampant in academia, right? You get to a tenure track or even tenured faculty position and you treat your grad students like shit because you were treated like shit. That is so sick and wrong, dude. No, just because you benefited or however you feel like you're grateful for how hard you worked and it really taught you something. Is it really okay 
to treat people that way in whatever abusive manner. I think the reason that it keeps persisting is that by the time you get out of a system in which you were abused, you uh, have so little left that you do not have the wherewithal for the kindness and generosity required not to haze. The system is self-perpetuating, not just because people feel like the people behind them have to earn it, but but because they don't have what it takes. Yeah, it reduces their capacity. The generosity and kindness that we advocate for. Yeah. So people who make it into systems of power need to spend some time recognizing the ways that they influence others who are within their domain. But we also need to recognize that there are real costs for trying to change the rules and for not obeying the rules. If you were gender socialized feminine, you were taught to believe everyone else's opinions about your body over what your own body is trying to tell you. And if you dared to believe your own body and ignore other people's opinions, there's consequences. there are real consequences in yeah. the way they treat us. For some of it, it's been so long since we listened to our bodies, we don't even know how to hear what our bodies are trying to tell us. That was me for so long. How to believe them and trust them over the loudly expressed opinions of our culture and our families and human giver syndrome. And as if that's not enough, <laughs> Let's just add another layer of complexity, which is that the more exhausted we are, the noisier the signal is and the harder it is to hear that message, the more we fall back on recapitulating the rules of the rigged game. This is why rest is the revolution. Audre Lorde wrote a whole paper called The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House. One of the master's tools is exhaustion. Exhaustion is never going to dismantle. Capitalism, white supremacy, cis-heteropatriarchy. Rest and supporting and loving each other in our rest is what will dismantle the power structures. And right now, we're listening to this, saying this, and we're all feeling like, yeah, rest is resistance. We're going to do this. We're going to change the culture. And I'm going to get a good night's sleep because I deserve it, because I am human and all humans deserve it. And I'm going to rethink what I ask the people under my jurisdiction can do. And then in like 20 minutes, you're going to hear a commercial on TV or read a story. And it's going to be about how valuable self-sacrifice is and how important it is to give up things for other people. And it's going to start chipping away at this message that we're built up right now and existing in that continuing cycle of fighting the message ongoing, that's exhausting too. You know what you need? A good night's sleep. And people around you who celebrate the fact that you got a good night's sleep. Yes. The last thing we're going to talk about is the thing that happens when you actually do get adequate rest. Suppose you go into your workplace and you say, "Uh, hey, I I got nine hours of sleep last night. Do people go, good for you. high five, that's awesome, that's great. Do they celebrate it with you? No. Or do they say, you know, that's so self-care? It's so, so important. important. It's so good for you that you got, I mean, I was up until three o'clock uh, frosting the cupcakes for Becky's birthday party. Look good for you. So good for you. Good for you. Selfish bitch. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> so if you change only one thing after listening to this episode, let it be just noticing all the ways that your brain goes automatically to ideas of exhaustion as a virtue. Mm -hmm. And just notice that. And ask yourself if it's really true, if you're interested in challenging the idea that rest is lazy or selfish. Next week's episode is going to be about sleep. The ultimate in selfishness. (laughs) No, no, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate revelatory. No, no. It's the ultimate revolutionary act. 
And that is this episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. If any of this was written, it was written mostly by Emily and a little bit by Amelia. To the extent it was produced, it was produced by Emily's marital euphemism. And if there's any music, it was written by me. Self-care tip. What's the self-care tip song? Self-care tips. Self-care tips. Gimme, 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 gimme self-care tips. (laughs) Here's a self-care tip. Get some sleep and stop beating yourself up for it. And instead celebrate the fact that you are a motherfucking bitch resistor. Free fleet of fun. I got carried away. (laughs) I meant motherfucking bitch resistor as a compliment. (laughs) Just for the record. Feel free to follow. (laughs) Feel free to follow along on Twitter or Instagram at FSP2020. And don't forget to follow at The Nap Ministry for the best rest as resistance content on the worldwide internet and email us at feminist survival project 2020 at gmail.com let us know what do you do to rest what do you daydream about when you daydream where do you daydream do you feel permission to daydream how many hours of sleep do you get how many do you need who in your life is really celebratory when you get rest and take a break who in your life do you trust to say look you need to quit and you need to just go take a break right now Who do you actually believe when they say that to you? Is there anybody in your life you wish you could tell them they deserved sleep? Is there anyone you wish would say that to you? Here we are saying it. Okay, that's enough questions. Yeah, we want to hear from you about sleep. Sleep and rest. Thanks for listening. Self-care tips. Self-care tips. Tell me, tell me self-care. (laughs) Tips for how to take care of yourself.